In today's Bank to the Future podcast series, I chat with Chloe White from Genesis Block. Now, Genesis Block is a advisor in the digital asset space in Australia, and Chloe is also involved in other parts of the cryptocurrency and blockchain ecosystem within Australia. Chloe chats about what is happening within cryptocurrency as well as the blockchain and application use and what she sees in regards to the trends happening in the future. We join Chloe now as she gives us a bit of an overview of her background and how she is involved within fintech in Australia. Bank to the Future with Chris Titley. Chloe, let's talk about your involvement, uh, broadly speaking, with uh, banking and fintech here in Australia. Yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, you know, with, with what I'm doing at the moment, um, running Genesis Block, we're a crypto asset consulting firm. Um, and uh, I also sit on on a few advisory boards. Um, so you know, essentially, we're really interested in helping to translate crypto to the government, helping to translate the government to crypto. Um, and and a third pillar of what we do is helping translate crypto to crypto in a bit of cross pollination, working with different parts of the industry. Um, startups, scale ups, investors, managed funds. So um, we have a really exciting. A group of stakeholders that that we're working with, and uh, you know, every every day is different. And Chloe, five or ten years ago, sitting here, and you mentioned exactly what you did. Now, cryptocurrency may not have been uh, the flavour of the month, and and broadly speaking, it's it's sort of grown in popularity to the point now where. It's on everyone's uh, talking point in, re- in how application use and, and cryptocurrencies per se. Can you talk about that involvement, um, uh, the involvement, I suppose, and also the, the education piece around um, what you know, crypto is and how it all works? Yeah, look, it's so true. I think for most of the time that I have been involved in the digital asset space, people have generally thought that it was really strange. Um, and I've had some quite mixed responses from people <laughs> thinking about what I do. What do you do? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so before I founded Genesis Block, I was the National Blockchain Roadmap Lead, which was a, a role that I took on for the Commonwealth Government to help implement their five-year plan to grow the blockchain sector. Um and, you know, so part of that meant that I was, you know, one of the Australian government's um, uh, policy advisors on various blockchain and crypto issues. Um, I I founded and directed something called the APS Blockchain Network, where we tried to bring together public servants um, from across government to try to educate, uh, you know, people on blockchain um, you know, and before that, I was also a cryptocurrency advisor at the Treasury, and I managed the government's review of of token based business models. So, so having performed a few different roles in this space, I think um, it's very clear to me that we have crossed the Rubicon now. That you know, clearly the genie is out of the bottle, and this is not something that's going away. And there's been some major announcements in the space uh, recently that really. Signal, sig, signal to the market that this is this is something that have now has you know mainstream recognition. One major example of that being Commonwealth Bank's announcement that they're going to integrate crypto into their banking app, um, and so that should be coming out next year. But internationally as well, we've seen a lot of institutional investors get on board and a lot of policy making from governments in large economies 
um, generally quite progressive policymaking that's intended to support the industry too. But you asked me what cryptocurrency is. I think the word cryptocurrency is a bit of a misnomer because it, it implies that all these crypto tokens are designed to be money as we traditionally understand them. And only a very, very small percentage of these projects are really trying to position themselves as money alternatives. Uh, the bulk of what people are working on in the space, um, I would, I would say is more akin to fintech. Um, or, you know, in some cases, people are innovating on things like um, gaming tokens, as in video games and video game assets, or, or finding ways to use blockchain technology to protect intellectual property uh, or to facilitate uh, transactions of property. So, you know, there's a whole range of applications of what people are doing in this space that we call crypto, but really it's much more diverse and broad and exciting than just thinking about um, alternate payment rails. But, you know, payments are certainly one of the major use cases and something that uh, a lot of people are very interested in. Yeah, and, Chloe, I mean, the rise of the, the price of some of these cryptocurrencies has, you know, brought, you know, given it a mainstream appeal. But when you talk about the blockchain uh, on to the, to the person on the street, I, I still think there's probably... Yeah, application use is very minimal. Would would you agree with that? Um, I think there's a lot of marketplaces and a lot of um, you know things like digital art and NFTs that are coming to a fray. But again, people are thinking, oh, I don't really know how people use the blockchain in business and 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 maybe as a consumer how they use it. Um, can you talk about the progress of some of these applications and how you, you see them growing in time and and particular industries, whether it's a threat or an opportunity? I think that assessment is right, Chris, but I also don't see it as a problem. Uh, you know, if you went and asked the average person on the street, uh, you know, how, how the new payment platform routes, you know, funds around, I don't think anybody would, would know what you're thinking yeah. about. Um, and so, you know, often with these underlying technologies, um, there isn't really a need for consumers to be aware that they even exist in the back end. If you've got a good user experience and, and user interface to your product, then all of that stuff ideally is, is sort of in the background anyway. But in terms of how, how these applications are being built out and developed, there's a big open source developer community and ethos that has backed a lot of the innovation in this space over its lifetime. And there has also been, uh, you know, a rise in so-called enterprise projects or more closed source um, patented technologies as well. Um, you know, so I think that it, it, it comes in a lot of shapes and sizes, but, you know, some of the areas that you just mentioned around, you know, NFTs and art, um, you know, they're certainly areas that are very popular um, in, in terms of, you know, what startups are doing and what's getting funded at the moment. Um, there's certainly a lot of capital pouring into um, that NFT and gaming um, cross-section that I mentioned. And I think that this space moves so quickly. Um, you know, who knows in six months or 12 months' time what the next big thing is going to be. But this is the nature of technological innovation, that people will try uh, to find all these different uses and applications of the technology. And through that process of experimentation, the technology gets better. So one thing that I'm really excited about in the space is this idea of uh, so-called layer two applications, which are, you know, blockchain technologies that are actually designed to support scalability 
And there's been a lot of fuss made in years past about, you know, do blockchain scale and, you know, a lot of um, apples and oranges comparisons that have been made of, you know, blockchain payments compared to credit card payments and things like that. Um, you know, but oftentimes what's being missed in those conversations is the fact that the ways in which these technologies and applications are scaling is through a, a layered tech stack. It's not all happening um, on, on the base chain. And, and that's really cool because it's a further decentralization of, of you know, how um, assets are, are transferred and stored. And, um, and, and because a lot of these protocols are all developed on common accepted standards, they become quite interoperable. And so with that combination of scalability and interoperability, uh, you know, there's, there's so much that can be done and it's getting better and better all the time. So, you know, the lightning network on, on, on the Bitcoin blockchain, even though it is interoperable with other blockchains as well, Bitcoin is where lightning has really taken off. And if you track um, the growth of the lightning network over the past 12 months and how much adoption there's been on that, I think it's a really great uh, success story in terms of looking at, uh, you know, what scalability actually looks like in practice. Um, and, and then, you know, turning to the Ethereum ecosystem, for example, there are so many, uh, you know, equivalent projects that are, that are being uh, experimented on at the moment there. So, you know, all of these techno technology improvements um, give us further ability to experiment and explore. And I think that the, the pace of innovation is not going to slow down anytime soon. And you mentioned those two words there, experiment and explore. I mean, the role of of governments when it comes to fast-paced moving technology and, and regulation and making sure that, you know, basic business practices like uh, AML and CTF are in place. I mean, how are you going about talking to governments around this and what sort of role do you think they need to play? So the major the major facilitator of, of policy discourse in Australia in recent months has been Senator Bragg's inquiry and the recommendations that came out of that Senate committee were quite progressive and forward-looking and they were very well received by industry. I think it's clear that, you know, over, over the, the time that the committee has spent um, hearing from businesses and community stakeholders and, and trawling through, you know, some quite complex submissions and policy issues that um, they've really come to appreciate the potential for regulation to not only protect consumers, but also to open up business opportunities in Australia as well. Um, in some cases, the lack of regulatory clarity or lack of regulatory guidance has meant that um, it's been very hard for Australian businesses to offer particular services here, even where those services would actually de-risk consumer engagement in the space. And so, um, you know, it's a win-win for everybody if we do get that clearer regulatory guidance. So, um, the, the dialogue with government has been really constructive, and I think that where the government needs to stay focused is on making sure that Australia can keep up with other countries. Because when we look at what's happened in the Northern Hemisphere, uh, we see that you know countries in the EU, the EU itself, the UK, Singapore—they're quite a bit ahead of us. You know, they've had um, regulatory guidelines and legislation out for a while now, and uh, so you know there, there is a little bit of a risk that we continue to see some brain drain. Um, and, and that is a cost to us um, here in terms of, you know, in terms of the the environment that we would want to support where we, we have talent at home, we have capital being invested here. So, uh, you know, that, that's something that we need to stay on top of. But I think that things are certainly heading in a really good direction and it's a very exciting time. And you mentioned before about CBAs, you know, 
quasi-validation of, of where blockchain and cryptocurrencies are going. What other validation points are you looking for? We've seen some um, you know, locally-based companies being, being quite um, strongly venture-backed in regards to, to blockchain and cryptocurrency, but what other markers are you looking for? I think when we start to see more exposure um, to the crypto asset sector through um, the ASX, for example, that will be something that people are really looking for, um, seeing ETF products come online. BetaShares recently launched an ETF uh, that is linked to crypto asset businesses rather than crypto assets themselves, and that was a record-breaking launch for an ETF, um, huge volume. So, you know, clearly there's a, there's a lot of appetite for exposure to this space, and I think when we start to see our major, uh, our, our, our majors like the ASX um, showing their support for this space, which which they are starting to do, um, you know, it, it further validates that this is definitely a technological innovation that you'd want to have um, a bit of an interest in. And Chloe, there's been a lot of um, intertwining, I suppose, in regards to cryptocurrencies and, and the use of social media in particular um, investors and or, or participants in that field. Um, I mean, the, the idea of providing what's financial advice and having a an Australian financial services license when it comes to cryptocurrency and and, and personally speaking we've had I've had a lot of clients that have asked about cryptocurrency and asked about the price of bitcoin where do you see that um, progressing in regards to potentially a, maybe a digital financial services license and or some sort of regulation around what advice can be provided I would love to see that in Australia. I think the Finfluencer trend is a real concern. Um, I personally do feel quite worried when I hear my friends tell me that, you know, they're going to watch some YouTube videos and, and, and read the Twitter threads. I really try to advise them against that. But at the same time, people do want exposure. They do want information and they're going to where they can get it. And if if a professional financial advisor cannot obtain a license, then they're, they're obviously not going to be willing to take the risk. Yeah. And so you end up in this in this worst-case scenario. And so one of the issues that was raised in the Bragg inquiry was this issue around professional advice. Um, and, and there are a number of businesses in Australia that would love to be helping their clients de-risk and, and manage and understand their exposure to this space. But it is a very fine line to tread of, you know, what's the difference between providing factual information and general financial advice and personal financial advice. And so by clarifying again how the, the AFS regime applies in this instance, I think that that will again be another example of where it's a win for businesses, it's a win for consumers, um, and just helps people engage in the space uh, in a little bit of a safer way uh, than what they have available to them at the moment. So um, I certainly will continue talking about this issue in, in my in my work because I think that it's just a very sensible thing to do when you can see that, you know, it, it's good for business and, and good for the community. And, and I think the the rise of or astronomical rise of some of the um, coins recently and or, or, or a Bitcoin that people have actually been and seen success and um, I, I don't really think they've seen a bear market in, in, in these in these types of cryptocurrencies because they've 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 gone up a lot and so yeah I don't know whether it's going to go up or down or, or crash that's not for me to decide and, and recommend but um, you would think at some point in time there might be some people that have lost some money on the back of a, a Twitter feed or something like that which is which is not good. 
Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's right. And, uh, you know, it is an incredibly volatile class of assets. Um, and, you know, certainly compared to the types of investments that people would be more used to, uh, you know, equities or, or more traditional ETFs, managing that volatility can be quite challenging. It does make people emotional. People do make rash decisions. And, uh, you know, so it's, it's not something to take lightly. And I think if it's not something that you have experience in managing, it would be a very difficult thing uh, to try and handle without the help of an advisor or professional and not knowing what that strategy is, what, what the long-term play is. I, I try to always um, say to people that, you know, try to understand what it is that you're investing in um, and understand why you might have long-term conviction um, in, in the investments that you make. Because if you're if you're just following momentum or jumping on trends, and, and and you think of yourself as a trader, that's one thing. But if you don't really have a clear thought out strategy for what you're doing, that's when you're quite prone to make those emotional decisions. And I don't I don't tell people what, what to do with their money, but I say, you know, just think about, you know, what is driving your decision making because it, it is not for the faint of heart. Quick pause here to remind you to subscribe to Morgan's Financial on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify to stay up to date with our latest podcast information. To learn more about our services in stockbroking, wealth management and corporate advice, visit morgans.com.au. Now back to our podcast. I was at a breakfast this morning in regards to the, the business of sport and, and the rise and rise of club-based and league-based you know, non-fungible tokens and the way that the NBA has launched Top Shot the revenue that they're seeing from some of these um, use cases is phenomenal and a phenomenal start, which was zero about 12 months ago. Can you talk about industries and, 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 and fintechs that you're seeing that are rising up in regards to application use and, and new ways of doing things and what you're excited about? It is amazing to see. And one trend that I'm observing in relation to that is uh, people are forming these uh, DAOs, decentralized autonomous organizations. So they're launching apps and they're building communities. And and the community development aspect of a, of a lot of these products is um, is quite a strong feature of them as well, uh, which is something really unique and interesting about the crypto space. Uh, but the fact that they're also wanting to operate under this DAO-type structure is something that I, I find quite fascinating, where they're essentially building up these online communities and then asking people to self-select into what kind of contribution they want to make if they're going to be an, an active contributor to developing the product, uh, making decisions about a product roadmap, you know, for example, what what new features should be deployed and, and, and in what priority order. So you know, the, the community is rewarded for participating actively in, in helping to shape the direction of, of these applications. And so, you know, that's something that I think is quite complex uh, in terms of the, its potential ramifications, not only from a legal and regulatory point of view, but, you know, I, I personally think about, you know, what does the labour market look like if, if these structures really take off and become quite popular? Um, and we are, in general, moving towards more of a gig economy. We've been hearing a lot about the great resignation among millennials uh, and people are looking for different ways of working, different opportunities. And, you know, so it's, it's a very interesting time to see the confluence of these trends all come together. And, uh, you know, similar to you, Chris, I don't have a crystal ball and I don't know where it's going, but it certainly is fun to watch and to think about, you know, the, the different scenarios. 
Absolutely. Uh, Chloe, one final question. I mean, we're sitting here towards the latter end of 2021, uh, still talking about the global health pandemic, which has been going on now for circa 18 months. I mean, we sit here next year, 2022, we have a chat at the same point. What would you see or what what do you think you would like to see from from Genesis Block and and yourself and I suppose the the maturity of, of cryptocurrencies and or blockchain application use? I have a few things that I hope to be able to say to you end of next year, Chris. I would say that one is that the there is still a lot of skepticism around this space and what it, and what the value of these different assets are. And I think they're great questions to ask, but I'd like to see better skeptics. I think we need better quality cynics. Uh, you know, there, there are sort of things to be two extremes here where on one hand we have the diehard true believers, on the other hand we have the absolute uh, no, it's worthless. <laughs> you know, yeah. we we need to have a little bit more, more of a sophisticated <laughs> and honest conversation about. Well, all of these things come with trade offs. There are pros and cons. Let's explore that. And uh, you know, so I I think I think some better quality cynics um, would be a nice thing to see emerge. Um, in terms of Genesis Block, you know, the thing that I really love about the position that I'm in in the industry is getting to meet so many smart and passionate people who are building these exciting, innovative products, building communities. And I would love to be able to help with the development of this pipeline of, of talent and innovation. Um, you know, And of course, we're doing that already with the advisory services that we provide, but we're in the process of launching a pro bono program where pre-raise or early stage startups can come to Genesis Block and get some early guidance. Um, you know, on, on where they might have some risks that they would want to manage or strategies um, for their company. So I'm really excited to launch that program. And, you know, for us as well, it, it's really um, rewarding to be able to see what are the types of innovations that these startups are working on. Um, and as we get more into the venture capital and strategic investing space as well, I think being able to um, you know, perform a, a kind of advisory and governance role in, in respect to um, building an Australian ecosystem is something that I'm hoping to be able to play a part in doing because I really do think we have so much talent and so much potential in this country. I'd love to to see that grow at home um, and make sure that we, we don't continue to lose too many Australians to overseas. So I'm looking forward to getting involved um, in all those types of activities. Uh, you know, they're, they're really the biggest challenge that I face in my role is that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's like I, I'm in a constant state of FOMO because there's just so so much fun stuff to get involved in. So, um, I can, you know, I, I think we've got an exciting year ahead. I can hear it in your voice, the excitement. Uh, and, as lo- and, and as long as you're having fun, which is... Uh which is fantastic and learning along the way. Chloe, thanks so much for uh, sharing your thoughts on where your company is at and and how it's progressing. And certainly um, there is a lot of education that is required within the sector and there's a lot of entrepreneurialism potentially to come as well in terms of application. So really appreciate the chat and and hopefully look forward to chatting uh, before the end of 2022 again. But um, certainly really enjoyed the chat and look forward to catching up. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. And thanks for listening today uh, to the Bank to the Future podcast series. Bank to the Future is a series that is documenting the Australian digital banking landscape here uh, and hopefully over the next coming years. Uh, we're talking about trends. We're interviewing companies that are digital banks or neobanks as some people call them. We're going to interview traditional banks. We're going to interview partners. And the whole idea is to get a bit of an understanding of what is happening here, what is happening overseas, how the Australian banking landscape is changing 
and hopefully we can get some good engagement along the way uh, and follow and track and progress the current participants in the marketplace as well as new entrants that come along through the way. Thank you. My name is Chris Titley. Have a lovely day.